Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now, you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by SaneBox. Clean up your inbox now with SaneBox. SaneBox learns what email is important to you and filters out what isn't. I use it every single day and I'm not alone. It's going to save you from endless interruptions, so give SaneBox a try now. Listen to this episode and you'll get a special code on how you can get a credit for your new SaneBox account. Now let's get on with the show. I have known Karoj Duhini for quite a while. Uh, we first had the chance to meet in person at the OmniFocus setup, the OmniFocus 2 setup a couple of years ago. We're going to talk a little bit about that during this episode, but one of the things we want to focus on is Zen and the art of work. Karoj is a very thoughtful productivity strategist. I really love his work. He's a psychiatrist, a psychoanalyst. He's a writer, a musician. He brings that to his work and an author. He's got the books and course, which includes uh, Zen and the Art of Work. He's written Creating Flow with OmniFocus and Work Flow Mastery. Karosh really knows his stuff. I've always enjoyed his work and I've enjoyed talking to him. And I'm glad I was able to bring him to this episode of the show. So here is my conversation where we're talking about Zen and the Art of Work here on the Productivityist Podcast. Enjoy. All right, so Karosh, thanks for joining me today. And I want to talk about, we were just talking about before we started recording about when we first met, and it was at Macworld, the late lamented Macworld. Totally miss it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was fun. I mean, that was it. And we're talking like, uh, we're talking like four years ago, three, four years ago now. Something you, like that. Yeah, it was a, it was a good time. Was, I remember that. Yeah. It was a good chunk of time ago. And you've done a lot. I mean, when we first met, you were, I mean, you and I, 
really got to know each other when we were doing the OmniFocus setup, which was a, a, a kind of a introduction to OmniFocus 2 when it was coming out. And it was yeah. me, you, uh, David Sparks, Merlin Mann, uh, Tan from Asian Efficiency, Michael Schechter, yeah. um, and, and a bunch of other people that were just on stage talking about OmniFocus. And you and I, what I've always liked about your work, and, and Lee Garrett did a, a great review of your of your latest work on, on Productivity Asset. I'll make sure that we link to that in the show notes. Sure. Um, but you're you're really into and Tim Stringer's another one that that's into this is is the idea of thoughtful productivity like being very very mindful about it and and yeah. and, and the first thing i want to get into you with is, is how how in the world do you help someone especially the people i mean i work with a lot of people who are just you know scattered and just checking off as many boxes as they can because they feel that's what productivity is all about how do you begin to adjust their mindset so they can be more thoughtful and mindful about what they're doing to figure out even if they should be doing some of that stuff at all that's an excellent question i mean how does one start that because you know you think of the 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 kind of prototypical idea of mindfulness, and that's the practice of meditation. And that's like, you could start it, and then you just keep doing it all your life or so. I mean, you just keep getting better and better. And like, so where do you start? I mean, like, and 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 why, why bother? Uh, hmm. uh, it's, uh, I think it's a great question. I think to really get the sense of it, I, I, I like this practice, this exercise, which is, um, Take whatever it is that you want to do next, you know, just stop before you make that, uh, before you do whatever it is you want to do next, and then sit and wait for your thoughts to come to mind about what you could be doing next. And then just wait and keep waiting until no other thoughts come to mind. And then whatever you decide to do at that point, when, you know, your thoughts have stilled, whatever it is you decide to do, even if it was the same as the original idea, you will probably be much more uh, focused, intent upon doing that, and uh, willing to let other things kind of um, uh, move to the side, or you can jot those down. You'll and you'll just be more um, engaged. You'll probably feel like whatever it is you're going to do next feels that much more meaningful. And then from that point onward, you have a very deep experiential sense of how powerful it can be to be mindful in what it is that you want to do. Okay, so that's all well and good, and you and I both know that we've we've been good at able to take the time to be able to do that. What about the person who says, "What do you mean sit? Like I don't have time to sit and just think about this stuff." Like, how do you get that barrier broken? Because that's another area where people are saying, "How do you stop? Like, how do you yeah. just stop to do that?" <laughs> that's a great question too. I, I think other than taking it on faith that somebody says it's a good idea, I mean, you have to. Um, it's it's. If it's not working, it's already the other thing isn't working. Uh, I guess it's probably. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to answer other, for you, not, but exactly. No, I think that's right. Uh, if the other thing's not working. I mean, there's another saying about, let's say, meditation. You could say it's it's useful to meditate 20 minutes a day, unless you're very busy, in which case you should meditate an hour a day. Mm. That, that's the thing. Now, I don't think I could do that. I think it's very hard, and I'm already quite busy, and that's just something to maybe aspire to. But the same sentiment is there that if it's if you're very busy, and the busier you are, the more you cannot afford not stopping. I don't know if I got that right, the number of negatives in there. But you need to be able to stop. You need to be able to pause. And uh, the more busy you are, the more important it is. And first, you need to be convinced of that. But it's hard to be convinced of that when you haven't tried it. So it is, 
I think you bring up a very good point. There is something of a, um, I don't know if it's catch 22 or something of a, a paradox in there. How do you decide to actually go ahead and do that? Um, now that you bring that up, I don't know. I don't think I have a good answer. I got, I got to think on this. How do you really convince somebody to take that time to pause? Well, I think they want, they have to want to, they have to see that something's not working already. And I mean, it's kind of like, you know, diets, right? You know, they, they try every other diet in the world and then they're like, well, what about this? Well, it didn't work for me. I mean, you know, there are those moments I've come across, especially fitness. Like I've been really focusing more on fitness in the past, past few months. And, uh, for me, um, it's interesting because, and I think this is this this really relates to a lot of what what you talk about and what what we we kind of aspire to do with with our work is you know there's those twenty eight like I've got a friend of mine Di Manuel who's been on the show and he has a twenty eight day exercise program mm-hmm. and I looked at it and my first thought was that's awesome I in twenty eight days I will be you know in better shape and I will look better et cetera et cetera I'll be healthier all that stuff and there's also the couch to five k program because I want to run more. And so I'm like, okay, and I could do that. And that, and then, you know, I get all hyped up about it. I, get, I go to that one extreme, which I think I'm not, I'm not alone in this. <laughs> People will say, you know, I think you're like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on this and this is the way it's going to be. But, but in, in recent years, especially more so in the past year, when I've kind of decided what my three words for focus are going to be this year, which are all about like redesigning, rebuilding and reclaiming. I'm like, hold on, let's take a step back. Can I realistically do this in 28 days? And before we jumped on on the call, we mm-hmm. talked about how many episodes of the podcast I actually have prepared in advance. And when some people are saying, oh, what do you mean this is going to air 10 weeks down the road? I'm like, yeah. that's not that long. That's not that far. It's really, I mean, time like moves quicker than we could possibly even, you know, imagine because, you know, it, it, you want to, you want to build, move something forward and, and all of a sudden you you know you have to double time it because you haven't you know taken into account all this stuff. So I said, you know, what if I did this? What if I'm personalized? What if I modified this 28-day program to make it last for 56 days? So what if I exercised every other day? Because my body I haven't exercised in a while, so my body is not going to like me, which means I'm not going to like it, which means guess what will happen? I will stop exercising after day 4. Right? Yeah. And so and what if I do the running on the off days? So I did that and it worked. Now, if I had just gone at face value with what was in front of me, 28 days, I would have stopped. Yeah. So I think that that my thoughts on this is if you have something that's presented with if you if you're sitting there like I'm going everything's about go 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 fast 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 now now now, uh you can't do all that. So take a step back and really assess it. And and that's where the value of planning comes in, right? Yeah. I think also that what you bring up which I think was really very useful is the personalization of it because then you're incorporating your sense of agency, which is huge. If you want to in- engage something, if you want to really get into it, you've got to personalize. It's got to make sense to you. You've got to engage with it. You've got to like say, this is the way it'll work for me, because then you're starting to weigh it against what you know about yourself. You know, it's like the idea of um, when you're assigned to read a, you know, some classic uh, literature book in high school versus you decide to read it yourself or you decide to do it in a certain way that means something to you. Those are worlds apart. Exactly, exactly. Let's talk about some of the stuff with regards to agency. I mean, I think yeah. that's now, – now, a lot of people, you know, when they hear that word, they don't quite know what it means. I know you've talked about it. Merlin has talked about it as well. When What does agency mean to you, and especially in relationship to productivity? So agency I'll define as the skill and degree to which – one can make a decision non-reactively. So I'll say it again. It's, it's the skill and degree to which 
we can make a decision non-reactively. In that same idea that I brought up earlier where we pause and wait for thoughts to come to mind, what that means is that the feelings have come to mind, the thoughts have come to mind, all the things that you think about in regards to maybe a particular decision or any state you're in, the, the less you are reacting to an unconsidered emotion, uh, the more you are acting with a state of agency. And when you can do that, then you can create those conditions under which you can thrive, you can do well, you can engage in that sort of playful mindset, that flow mindset that we'd be looking for. You'd think about, okay, these are the things I need to get done. This is the state it should be in in order for me to get that done. And um, that's what I would mean by agency. Do you think that people, uh, especially those who are, uh, I mean, I don't even have to throw a special in there. Do you think people tend to focus on other people's stuff more than their own because it's easier for them to deal with that stuff because it's directed from some external force rather than dealing with the stuff that's internally driving them, which might be a little bit more challenging or difficult in various ways? Can't, I can't speak to everyone, but, uh, you know, I, it, it's certainly a phenomenon. It certainly does happen, you know, where where people can get caught up in other people's worlds and other people's problems and other people's whatever it happens to be, often, you know, as a reflection of the things that they're dealing with themselves, but maybe not able to recognize that. That can happen, certainly. Let's talk about play and and the idea of play. I think that and this was discussed with one of my previous guests, Kirsten Milliken, who uh, wrote the book Play DHD and how important play was for, for the uh, for, for those with ADHD and how, how to, how to, you know, I mean, cause a lot of ADHD people, at least in the book, they require to have a fairly regimented uh, framework in front of them so that they don't deviate too far off course. Play, yeah. play kind of, it's, it's odd because you wouldn't think play would, would, would be part of that, but play is integral. And you talk about that quite a bit in your work, right? What, what, why is play so important, especially when it comes to the realm of productivity? So play to me is, is so even defining this, it's, it's a movement between the internal and external worlds with, you know, this ease or with a welcome challenge. It's like, it's, it's that state of flow, I think, that we look for. It's the same play that we find in toddlers, where they're like totally in the, the zone of the world that they have in front of them and, you know, experimenting, building, things like that. And when we have that mindset to whatever it is that we bring ourselves to, whatever, with whatever we find to be important to us, I think we make whatever we make, much better. You know, whatever it is that we feel better about it, it's more meaningful to us and other people approach it uh, and recognize that there's a richness to it. Uh, so that's why I think it's, it's, it's hugely important. And, and to, the, to the point of um, uh, play DHD, that idea, I, I think absolutely. You know, in, um, there's, a, there's a psychoanalyst from the, uh, I want to say 60s, 70s, uh, Donald Winnicott, who... I'm going to paraphrase, basically said the first step or a primary step in therapy is is uh, finding where play is in the person's life, uh, if it's there. And if it's not there, uh, seeing what can be done to, like, bring that about. Um, it, it's, it's, I think it's, it's very primary. I think it's primal. I think it's important. We're going to step away from this conversation and get some zen into your inbox with the episode's sponsor, SaneBox. SaneBox 
allows you to deal with email overload. In fact, it, I consider it to be the best email overload solution out there. And I want to talk about some stuff that I haven't really touched on uh, in the past uh, episode spots that we've discussed. And that's some of the other things that you can do. You can do a lot of interesting things such as saying connect, which means you can search any domain name to find colleagues who have relationships at that company and request an intro with one click. It's a same box for business feature, but it's something that's really cool. Their customer service is top notch. And you can actually have your executive assistant receive your SaneBox digest so that they can process unimportant email for you. And that's something that I've been working with with my uh, operations assistant, Claire. She's got access to this so she could say, hey, Mike, you know, this needs to be taken care of. This needs to be taken care of, uh, which while I'm on vacation means that she could see that stuff and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm actually going to be hopefully meeting her while I'm away on vacation. But she'll be able to say, hey, Mike, here are some things that I noticed that came down the pipeline that you're going to want to take a look at. Um, some of the other great stuff that it allows, and this is something that you don't really think about, but when you unsubscribe from spam, what happens is, is it sometimes doesn't work, number one, and other times it can put you on a completely different list. It's not necessarily the most scrupulous things that can happen, but sometimes people aren't the most scrupulous on the internet. There's this folder, uh, this filtering called Sane Black Hole. And what it happens is you drag an email into that folder and you never hear from that sender again. So it goes straight to trash. That means you're unsubscribing from mailing list with literally one click. You're just dragging it in or you're done. Okay. Uh, another really cool tool, and this is for those people who really want to see things go to other services, let's say like Evernote or maybe Todoist or something like that, or even Asana, is you could say, I want to forward things that come in this way to a, uh, to a specific app or a specific person. The same forward folder will take care of that for you as well. Um, the other thing SaneBox does, which, uh, again, saves you time and brings zen and calm to your to your productivity processes, is it allows you – it does spam folder marketing, which allows you to kind of not have to search through your spam folder looking for any emails that might have gone in there by mistake. So Sane, SaneBox has the spam folder monitoring that allows you to, to, to do this for you, and it's called the Sane Summary, and it really, really, really is cool. There's so many great features that SaneBox has to offer, and I, I strongly encourage you to check it out. Uh, you can head over to SaneBox.com slash Vardy, get that $25 free credit that SaneBox is offering, get the free trial, and put it through the paces on your own. Uh, you're not going to need every single feature that SaneBox offers. I'm only scratching the surface, and, uh, you know, I mean, there's more and more to love every time I dive into SaneBox, but I, I would bet and this is a Canadian phrase, dollars to donuts, that you're going to get a lot of, uh, a lot of mileage or kilometerage out of SaneBox. So check it out, SaneBox.com slash Vardy. Get that $25 credit and bring sanity back to your email inbox. I'd like to thank SaneBox for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. Check it out. And now let's get back to the show. I want to talk, playing, you play music. Yes. You're, you're a musician. Um, and you're a very, like, you don't, you don't just focus on like, what kind of music do you play? Because I know I want to talk but like, do you, do you have any particular, uh, you know, genre that you, or do you just love the idea of playing music? Well, I've been working on an elevator pitch for it and uh, it's, <laughs> it, I'll tell you it here. It's, uh, Chopin and Pink Floyd drinking tea by the beach. That, <laughs> that's as good as I've gotten. It. <laughs> That's nice. That's nice. It's excellent. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that that uh, you know, especially in your in in then in the art of work, is the idea of creating this experience when it comes to you know, and you've got music and audio and video in there. How when it comes to music, how 
how are you able to, because you're, you're somebody that does that. I've not seen anybody else do this where you frame it kind of with the work that you put out there. How, how can music impact, you know, how people move their, their work forward, move their lives forward? Because I think that there's a lot to be uh, said there that often gets undervalued. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's an excellent question and one that I have a hard time answering because for the same reason that music, the way I play music, which is it's there, I'll do my best answering it though. Uh, it's a, um, it's wordless and, and it's, it captures experience at that wordless state. So it's it, a lot of the concept of creativity, of, of improvisation, of, you know, improvisation is a way of creating within certain boundaries. It's not just creating randomly and, and, or playing even with the rules of those boundaries. And, and so much of doing good work, innovative work of, uh, engaging in, in a good way is about that same sort of process. I just find that when I create with music, it's like kind of playing with the, you know, atomic elements of experience itself. You know, you're, you play a note. What's simpler than just playing a note? You know, what's simpler than the sound of a note? And, uh, you know, what's simpler than the beat of a drum or, you know, something it's like you wind up playing with, with the most primary aspects of, of experience. And, and when you do that regularly, I, I just find that that tends to, um, pervade uh, much of your day-to-day uh whether it's work or relationships now i'm gonna what do you think about the apps that are out there like focus at will things like that and you know i, it, I mean i i love what focus and will has to offer do you think that there's some merit or do you think that you know um do you think that that there's something to be said for having that going on in the background when you're trying to move you know, trying to work trying to or just is there's another article that that I, I'm going to try to find and put in the show notes where science has said that silence is the best, uh, um, you know, background noise when you're trying to get work done. Like where where do you think is is it again? Does it come back to a personal choice or do you think that there's some merit behind you know? Hey, I'm going to use folks at will. Hey, I'm going to use that Spotify playlist that I've got. Or hey, you know what? I need absolute quiet. Or is it dependent on the type of work? Maybe. Um. Well, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know Focus at Will. I haven't checked it out. Okay. But uh, I will say that depending on a person's uh, – I think it does depend on what you're engaged in. I mean, for example, if I'm doing – if I'm folding laundry, I'm I'm fine with having uh, music on in the background. But if I'm writing something that's very in-depth or if I'm really working hard on uh, uh, maybe – like the – so I, I written workflow mastery, which is like the sort of just academic kind of way of looking at uh, productivity, and that one, like I couldn't have anything distracting me. I needed to be fully like there, and and any sort of music, uh, any sort of anything in the background, anybody interrupting me, I was just didn't didn't work. Just couldn't 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 happen. I'd have to tell people, okay, leave leave me be. I got to be focused. Um, and that in that case, silence I think was best. But certainly, there are times where you know uh, it needs to be something different. And um, there, there are certain video games I'll play. I'm like, I, I want heavy metal, and that's what I got. <laughs> yeah. I've been blaring the Hamilton soundtrack lately and getting a lot of stuff done. Hey, there so, you go. <laughs> which is which is strange because you'd think that um, that 
because there's a story behind it. And maybe that's what it is, too, is that, you know, when it's familiar music, it bleeds into the background. Whereas if it's brand new, like the first few times I listened to Hamilton, I was Uh like, you know, I was paying attention to the lyrics and the story. Now it's just the 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 almost like the soothing component behind it where it's like there's that familiarity and maybe uh-huh. and and I don't know sometimes I like listening to music or or um having background noise when I am trying to do something I'm not comfortable with because it it it's kind of almost like a security blanket of sorts if that makes sense that uh-huh. uh-huh. well it sounds like you've developed like a certain association with that that mm. just being you know engaging of being with work and then that helps you like that that um that association helps you get to that state. Would that be fair to say? That'd be fair to say. And actually, that's a great segue into what I want to talk about next, which is like the importance of meaningful work when it comes to mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, how many people uh, do you know? And maybe you don't know as many, but I'm talking to the audience out there that knows, uh, you know, hey, I'm calling in for a mental health day. You know, they're not sick, but they're just drained mentally from mm-hmm. what they're doing. How, how do you tap into, uh, you know, and I mean, Cal Newport talks about this in, in, in so good. They can't ignore you where it's like, you know, there's this career capital and you should not chase your passions necessarily, but you should build career capital and find your passion within the, you know, within what you're doing. And again, I'm being reductive there and I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing, but how, how important is meaningful work when it comes to, you know, um, you know, either, either maintaining or, or, or even say, uh, powering up or, or making, making one's mental health better. I think it's huge. I think um, there's five things that I think, not only for mental health, but just health in general, five things in general that you could be doing that reduces doctor visits, who knows what. One of which is, I'll just read, I'll just say them all, is the, one is good diet, one is good uh, sleep, one is good exercise, one is maintaining good relationships, family, uh, and friends, um, sexual, romantic, all those. And then one is developing meaningful work somewhere in your life, doing something that feels meaningful to you. I think if you do these five things, you are, I mean, obviously it's also a reductive sort of something, but if you can do those, your life is so much better in many ways. You don't, I think you avoid sickness in many ways using that. Of course, it's not a hundred percent, but that's, I find those, those five things to be huge. Do you meditate? Yes. How, how uh, I just started a few months ago doing it regularly. I mean, I've, I've, I've dabbled with it off and on kind of like exercise. Uh, and I've got the muse headband. Um, I picked that up a while ago. Uh, and I find that, you know, and maybe you can kind of walk me through this a little. Initially I was doing the three to five minute sessions. Uh, <laughs> last night I did a 12 minute session and it felt like nothing. Is that, does that, I mean, you've, you've, how long have you been meditating for? Would you say twenty five years? I'd say. So yeah, that's a good that's a good chunk of time. So yeah. how how does one start to like you mentioned off the top? You know, the quote, and we'll we'll, we'll kind of get to the wrap up point at this point. But if someone was going to take the time to meditate, which yeah. they should, how would you recommend that they do it? Like, I mean, I, I went through all the different apps and stuff like that. I think I've, I I finally settled on Muse mainly because I'm getting the the, the feedback as it's happening. Whether it's whether it's accurate or not is not it, it's it's maybe more of a placebo than anything else. But where would you recommend somebody start? So it's a good question. I I think everybody has their own path. Um, 
Having said that, I can say my own experience and then, you know, take from it what you will. Um, so uh, I started at about, well, first let's look at what meditation is. And, sure. and as best as I can define it is that it's a regularly practiced focus on some predefined object. Uh, so looking at those things, object means you've defined something. You've defined a, um, whether it's an, a physical object or a problem or a concept or a piece of music or it doesn't matter, but some defined thing in space and time. So maybe say five minutes or something. Then um, focus means as your, your mind wanders, which it does, you know, minds wander, uh, you gently bring your mind back to the uh, object at hand. And then regularly practice means you do this um, with some regularity, like, like an exercise. And basically that's where it starts. That's, that's as best as I've been able to distill it. Um, I started with doing a breath meditation for uh, about five minutes uh, a day, and I stayed with that for years. I couldn't, I couldn't go to the twelve-minute mark. I couldn't go to the fifteen-minute. I couldn't. I, I just couldn't. It was, mm. it was too much. Then I'd say at least ten years, maybe fifteen years into it, I finally, finally said, "I think I know what I'm doing here," and I was able to jump to about uh, thirty minutes. Just suddenly, I could do wow. it. And, yeah, but it took those, I think, ten, fifteen years before I could get there. And because uh, every time I tried it, it was just like, and um, I switched over to uh, some mantra meditations. Uh, those are nice. Uh, you know, I tried various different types, usually from reading um, various books on it. The um, first one I started with was uh, How to Meditate by uh, Lawrence Lashan, mm-hmm. L-A-S-H-A-N. Never really used an app other than for the timer aspect of it. You know, I just have like... Um, uh, a kitchen timer type of thing. Um, but uh, that's worked well for me. And, um, you know, nowadays I'm doing about 20, 25 minutes, 25 minutes a day. Sometimes I want to do more than that, but usually it just winds up being 25 minutes. Yeah, it was really weird because, you know, I mean, I'm doing three to five and I said, you know what I'm going to, and you, honestly, it was the, you've only done this much this month, this week. You need to, the week is over tonight. So how many are you going to do? And I'm like, oh, I got to do 12 minutes and I did it. And, you know, it was interesting because, uh, I think, and again, it's, it, there's a reason it's called a practice. It's not uh-huh. like you can win meditation. You know, it's not like it's a, it's interesting that, that a service like music and others are gamifying it because it's almost like a paradox. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, for me, it, it, that 12 minutes, you know, at the beginning I felt like, Oh, how much more time, how much more time, how much more time. And then by the end I was like, Oh, we're already done. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that felt amazing, especially because, you know, um, it just, it, I did, it was unexpected. And I think that that anyone who who I think that may be the first step where we talked off the top is like if you don't feel you have the time to stop, take some time to meditate. Like take that time, whether it's you know uh, you know whether you want to use a tool like Breathe Sync, which you know I've talked to Michael Williams about, where it's you know you have like a two minute or three minute breath or whatever, or you you actually do some active form of meditation. Um, I think that that's a great place to start, and then you can start to go down the path that that you've carved so well in in, in your course and in, in your work. So thanks so much for joining me today. Where can people get get your your work and where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and what you do? Sure. So the latest work is uh, Zen and the Art of Work. It's at zenandtheartofwork.com. And um, uh, previous work with the OmniFocus, you can check out usingomnifocus.com. And uh, thank you hugely for having me here. Thanks for joining me today. 
There was so much goodness in that discussion, and we could have gone on longer. We actually did. We we built a separate bonus episode for Patreon supporters. So for those of you that are listening that are supporters of the podcast, you may have already heard this episode or you're going to hear it later, depending on when you're listening to this and when that episode comes out. But you'll be able to hear more of myself and Karosh talking about personal productivity. Now, if you want to become a Patreon supporter, head over to patreon.com slash productivityist, and you can learn about all the perks and special treats and offers that I have there, and also get those bonus episodes. There's two bonus episodes per week. There's also a Slack community where there's lots of engaging and lively conversation going on in there, and you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. So head over to patreon.com slash productivityist to learn more about that. Now, if you can't aren't willing to do that. Maybe you're new to the show or maybe, you know, you you just, you're just like, Hey, you know what? I have so many podcasts I like listening to and I don't want to do it for any of them. That's great. But I bet you for some of those, and if not all of them, you're leaving a rating or review in iTunes or whatever your podcast listening device or apparatus or platform is of choice. So please do that for this show as well. Leave a rating, leave a review. It helps us make the show better. Podcast producer John Polster and I go over this every single month. We have a monthly meeting and we go over what's going on and what we can do to make the show better. Your ratings, your reviews help us do just that. Big thanks to John Polster for producing the show, especially when I'm traveling and on the road and you know we're talking across the miles. Again, big thanks to him. And uh, big thanks to all of you for listening to the show this week, especially my Patreon supporters. Big thanks to SaneBox for sponsoring this episode of the show. Head over to SaneBox.com slash Vardy. Get that $25 credit they're offering. Put SaneBox through the paces and bring some zen back to your email inbox. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much to all of you for listening. And until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you, stop guessing and start going.